Woo! I uh, preach loud, so I just want to let you know, I hope I am not yelling too loud in your ear, but I am so thankful to be in the house this morning. Come on, anybody excited? Anybody expected? Yeah. Excitement is one thing to have, but I think expectation is another thing to have because we don't often feel excited to jump into hard times, but boy, if we feel expected of Jesus to move in hard times, he will still move regardless of our feelings and stuff. I, we can have excitement this but, but I want you to be leaned in this morning. I know it is NFL Sunday. Come on, it is week two. We watch our teams. Like, we just came from a phenomenal comeback. Arkansas, come on. Did the thing yesterday. I am an OU fan. Boomer Sooner, we rocked them yesterday. Hey, 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 hey. Come on. I know if you're a fan of Texas, then I didn't follow the score because I don't care. So, I am so glad I'm going to spend time with you this morning. Hey, my name is Pastor Joshua Comic the honor to serve at Victory Church as a young adult pastor. I'm jumping into my fifth year now Woo! as being a pastor. I'm 26 years old. Yes, that means that I started at 21. But when I jumped in at 21, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. In fact, the, the fact that I'm a pastor now, it may make sense because I'm a pastor's kid and I'm a missions kid, but I had no thought or I had no plan in my mind to become a pastor. In fact, I was at University of Oklahoma. I was training a few athletes there, close friends of mine. And I was also studying psychology. And my, my path was supposed to be a, a sports psychologist and also being able to help out uh, with sports medicine and, and uh, personal training. But jumping into my junior year, as I was about to jump into my senior year, took that summer off and I decided to serve at Victory Church back in Tulsa. As big of a church as Victory Church is, some of y'all might know Victory Church. I had no idea or, or not, not know much about it. And so I'm jumping into a place where I'm like, God, I just want to jump into a place. I want to serve. I want to find a healthy community because I'm tired of just standing still. I'm tired, I'm tired of consuming so much because if we all know if we sit down and we consume so much food, but we don't walk around, man, we are not going to look too great. Right? Like, like some of our favorite hobbies is eating potato chips and throwing around the pink skin into our mouth. Like that's, that's not the sport you want to play. <laughs> and so my, my thought was, man, I, I want to be a part of, of moving the church. I want to be a part of something that gets to change lives, not just simply seeing my life change because healthy things multiply and grow. And so I, I want to be able to see, man, what's truly healthy in my life. I want to help other people. Yeah. And in that moment, it was summer of 2017. Right, summer of 2017, I, I'm sitting there and I've served at a youth ministry for about two weeks. And during that time, that a transition of, of pastors. And when I was in there, I, I just, I, I get one of them to come up to me and he's like, hey, I want you to pray about staying here in Tulsa. I'm like, I'm here in Tulsa right now. Like, like I'm staying here for the summer, going back to OU. I want to jump into, again, being an NFL trainer. And he's like, no, 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 I want you to to stay here, like, like, don't go back to OU, and I was like, oh, I see why you told me to pray, now I'll pray about that one, right, so, so I go, we go on a vacation, first of all, I've gone on a vacation as a pastor's kid or a missions kid, because if you grow up a pastor's kid or a missions kid, your vacation is ministry, right, like, like you, you go out and you travel, you're like, yeah, we're, we're going to go to Disney World for six hours, and for the next six days, we're going to be leading revival, right, like, that used to be our vacation, but I was like, hey, we're actually going to take a vacay. I was actually able to put my feet in the water and relax. And for those 10 days that we were gone, it was just 10 days of me praying and God just, just sending peace. Because I believe that peace is where his presence is at. And I always want to be in his presence. And so I'm, I'm led by your peace. And I came back and I was like, man, I'm, I'm so excited. You know, I'm, I'm actually I'm going to take what you told me, Pastor. I'm going to drop my plans, my ideas, 
and I'm going to be here. And he's like, what? You're going to be here? I was like, yes, I'm going to be here. So I'm ready to jump into the next thing. What am I supposed to do? And he's like, I don't know. Just help me. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't know? He just told me to drop my, my career. He's told me to drop my plans. And now I'm here, and, and you're just like, hey, we're just going to figure it out? Like, like what is this? What, what are you telling me to do? And then a little did I know, after four months, I would jump into getting to be the associate youth pastor at Victory Church and serve youth ministry for four years, now within the adults ministry for a year, helping um, the ages 18 through 30 embrace Jesus and jump into their calling and be active for the gospel. And so here's what I am here for today, is that I believe that everyone here in this room is here for a reason. You're here for a reason, not just because God has something for you, but because you are looking for something from God. Yeah. We, we understand the relationship with Jesus is that it goes two ways. Yeah. As, as much as we can say, Jesus, we love you, Jesus, we want you. We also have things that we want to give to Jesus, and we also want to see Jesus move into. Anybody feeling that way? Yeah. Right? I, I believe that, that Jesus is, is a relationship kind of a thing here to where it's not just a one-way street, it's two ways. And the reason you've come here is, is yes, you've come to God. You've come to this place and some of you may be in this, in this high level of expectation where you're like, oh, I am writing blessing after blessing, strength after strength, glory for glory. And some of y'all's past may look like, man, like I'm here, I'm doing my Jesus thing and I'm checking them off the list and then I'm kind of going, you know, I'm, I'm mundane and I'm like, I'm, I'm living a good life, but I don't know if I'm living my best life. I mean, the fact that I'm sitting here right now is, man, it's like I, I, my, my, my finances are settled. But my job is good. But you're, you're settling with a place where it seems like, man, life is comfortable, but it's life calling you to be courageous. Come on. Come but on. I'm mean, here to challenge you this morning, but encourage you as well as that you are just getting your best day started. Come on. I encourage you. The fact that you're here this morning, you are doing such a good job. But like, I, I got up here this morning, and, and Lord knows, and a few of my friends as well, but my back has been hurting. I am like, I'm 26 and my back's already hurting. Like, it's already affecting my golf game. <laughs> I, I can't be 26 and already thinking about my golf game. That's right. I said, no, 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 no. Right? And I'm like, my back is hurting. But I got up this morning because, man, I am not just moved by my circumstance. I'm moved by what God wants to do and move in you. So this morning, I want you to write this as a title. I'm a person. We've heard this many times. Is that note takers are... History makers. All right, come on, let's try that again. Note takers are... History makers. Come on, and have you ever thought about why are the history makers? We, we say it, but why do we write those things down? About why do notes make history? Because if you read anything in history, it's written down. So very practically, if you want history to be remembered, you want your legacy to be made so that people can read upon what you were thinking on, the, the path that you're on with Jesus, write those thoughts down. Again, note takers are history makers, but what I also believe is that Bible readers are cultural leaders. Yeah. And I want us to be people who are directed by the word, who don't simply just read the word, but reading the word is from the beginning. Getting to and act out on the word is how you, how you see things come to pass. And so again, if you're a person that can remember everything in your mind, bless you, teach me how to do that. Because the more responsibility I have, the more people I need to help me with my calendar. Yeah. And so again, I want you to write this title out as Killer of Compromise. Killer of Compromise. Let's go. And as we jump into the word, I want us to first jump into Luke 6, verse 45. So I'm going to give you two verses here, two different chapters, two verses. That's going to be a little bit of equipping before we jump onto the plane to fly to our destination. Right, we're going to be grabbing our two bags here. And again, it's in Luke 6, 
verse 45. We're reading out of the NIV version. Zach, I want to apologize. I'm going to be moving a lot as well. So you got a phenomenal camera. I, I got you. Uh, I'm going to be pacing left and right. I just got a lot of energy. Um, I'm also very hungry, so if I just keep moving, then you know it's going to be working. Um, but come on, again, Luke 6, verse 45, and it says this. It says that a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Now, I'm going to bring this from, from here as, as we understand this. Genesis 1, verse 2 is that it's the first time we hear God speak. In the, in the beginning, Genesis 1, verse 1, it talks about how there was darkness and how there was waters. There was darkness and waters, and the Spirit was hovering over. But number two, the first thing God speaks is that God speaks with intentionality. He, te- he, he speaks so that you can get something you're supposed to have, and He also speaks so He can teach you something that you're supposed to do. And the first thing He speaks is, let there be light. Right? If we understand something about light, is that light is here today. Right? We, we wake up, we understand that it is time for us to get up when the light comes up. Some of us, we wake up even before the light comes up, right? You're like, you don't wake up from the light, you wake up from coffee, okay? But, but we, we wake up from the light. We understand that we can go to places with, with there's light. And, and God, the first thing he says is, let there be light. Because these words revealed his heart. I want you to write this down. Is that words reveal the condition of your heart. It reveals what's stored inside of your heart. And here's the thing about God is that he cared about you so much as he wanted you to be led by the light. Because he understood the, the, what light was supposed to do to your life. It was not just supposed to guide you. It was supposed to save you. Come on. The light of the world is Jesus. Yeah, right? yeah. So, so he, he talks about the light. I'm, I'm in fact going to save you in the future. I'm in fact going to give you vision and direction because there is light here. I'm going to be able to help the plants grow so that we can see photosynthesis happen through them because there is light. Yeah. Right? Light, light is beyond just a visionary thing. It is a producing thing. Yeah. And if we're here to be called vision churches, that you ought to have some light in your life and to be led by the light in Jesus' name. Come on. So, so we, we see again, words reveal the condition of your heart because God so loved the world yeah. that he gave you his son. Yeah. What's another what's, what's another word for, for son? What's another name for Jesus? We just said it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only light. His one and only light. So that whosoever believes or follows shall not perish but have everlasting life. Because they are led by the light. And the, the, the light, those words, they come from his heart. So we see that words reveal the condition of your heart, but it's one thing to say words. It's another thing to do what your words say. Right. Anybody ever been there before? Broken promises? If you've ever dealt with a, 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 a hurt relationship or even a breakup back in, in your teens or 20s or whatever your relationship is that maybe you, you said that you were going to love me, but never broke it up, right? Anybody ever been like, man, like we're, we're going we're gonna to do this all the days of our life and then you don't happen? Or you ever just made plans with some friends who are like, yo, we're going to have the craziest time. We're all just going to get together like me and my friends. We'll be like, man, we want to go experience like a, like, a, like a football game. So like, we're going to go do this, right? We were even planning on October 1st. We are planning to come in to see Arkansas versus Alabama happening in this place. Come on. And, and we were like, man, we're going to make this happen. And 
And then as time came by and us being in the adults were like, man, the, the cost is kind of going a bit higher. And if we drive, we all know that gas prices may go up too. And so we're like, you know, we're actually going to, we're going to switch a day to a later day because it's going to be cheaper. Right? And, and, and as much as we say our words are going to say these things, our actions are ultimately what proves those words, right? Yeah. Because I want you to write this down, is that actions reveal the condition of your faith. If words reveal the condition of your heart, then actions reveal the condition of your faith. Because you can have faith to say things, but you have faith to do things. You can have faith to be able to, to speak about miracle signs and wonders. God, I want to see a blessing upon my life. God, I want to see the, the, I want to see, uh, uh, the office change. I want to see the workers. I want to see my, my, my finances even grow even greater. You can say those things, but if you don't put the work to it, your faith is dead. Come on. It says that faith without works is dead in James 4. And I want us to, to really hone down on this because actions reveal the condition of your faith. When you jump over to Matthew 7 verse 21, and here's where we jump on to the plane with two bags now. Our first bag was understanding the book of Luke. It was now understanding Matthew 7 verse 21 through 23. And it says this. It says that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father, not who says the will of my Father, who has not just simply memorized the will of my Father, but who does, who puts into action the will of my Father who is in heaven. Come on. Many will say to me on that day, he is after our hearts and our egos right now. It says that many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Wherever we spoke about this, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be teaching the word and also breaking it down practically in our life. Right? It says prophesy. Right? It talks about the encouragement of the future. It tells you about here's your future. Here, here's your calling. Here's the vision of your life. Lord, didn't we give encouragement? Didn't we give vision in your name? And it says we even in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles. Right? We, we didn't simply just say things. We did things. We saw people get breakthrough. We, we, we saw people and we spoke it in your name. Yeah. And we performed many miracles. You may have seen even people be blessed. You may have seen people be highly favored. But he says this. He doesn't give you a why on why those things don't happen. Because we don't often need to know the why of why God is doing or not doing things. But he says this. Then I will tell them plainly. Because he doesn't jump to the why. He tells you why eternity is perspective for you to have here. Yeah. He says that I, I will say, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now, I want us to be, again, again that, that sounds kind of like, you're like, yo, I thought you were coming in with an encouraging word. That's not encouraging. Right? But, but I want to encourage you to live a life of Jesus. Because it says that in this moment, when we understand this, that our actions will reveal the condition of your faith. When we understand that our actions reveal the condition of our faith, then you can say all that you want to. You can, in fact, even believe all that you want to. You can know the word in and out. But if you do not do the will of the Father, then he will say, I never knew you. Because knowledge of a person does not simply come from you knowing them, but it comes from you loving them. That's good. If you know somebody, you will not just say, I love you. You will show that I love you. Mm -hmm. like I, I am five months into marriage. And I am just learning, okay? I know I'm not going to be writing a book on marriage anytime soon. 
I, if I wrote a book, I'd be learning my 50 lessons I've learned every single day in marriage, right? And, and the, the one lesson that I have learned that I can stay true to it and that I have been learning is making sure that whatever a man says, oh, you ought to do it. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm going to be here to listen to you, babe. You, you better listen, right? And if you say, hey, I am going to make sure that I stop by and get some groceries, well, then her expectation is for you to get groceries, so you better go get groceries, right? If I say, I am going to wash the dishes, she's going to be like, mm, I love you, go wash the dishes, right? And I'll be like, okay, I better do that. But if I were to tell my wife, hey, I'm going to go wash the dishes, and she's like, awesome, I'm going to go take care of our dog, and when I come back, she, she expects for these dishes to be washed, and I say, I'm going to go wash the dishes. If I jumped on YouTube and I was like, you know, what's the best way to wash dishes? And I searched up the best way, right? I, I get the best dishwasher. I get the best um, sponge. And in fact, you know what? I'm like, hey, I'm going to FaceTime my friends. I'm going to get a small group together. And I'm going to do a small group. Hey, I learned on YouTube this is the best way for me to wash dishes. But I want to know you've been in marriage for a year. You've been in marriage for two years. What's the best way you wash dishes, right? I'm, I'm an old school person, so, so I'm, I'm one where I was like, I want to put the work in, so I am I am wax on, wax off on my plates. Yeah. I've learned here that there is a more advanced way where you can push them in a dishwasher, but I'm like, I don't trust machines. My hands are machines, right? So I'm <laughs> washing these things. And so, so I'm, I'm washing my hand. And I, and I can again I can I can get all the best equipment. I can have all the knowledge. In fact, I can get a small group together, but if she comes back and says, Why did you not wash these dishes? I'm mean, I got all the knowledge. Let's go. I got all the equipment. I even, I even <clears throat> bought, you know, the, the best sponges. I bet the bought, bought the best soap. It's supposed to keep it disinfected for the next forty years. You know, like I'm like I don't know what they say these days. Like ninety nine point nine nine percent bacteria off. I'm like, but that point zero one needs to be cleaned. How they both say in Jesus' name, right? <laughs> and in fact, I got with a group of people. I, I got in a small group. So that we can talk about what the best ways to clean it. But if I never clean it, you never accomplish what you said. Come on. Hey, here's where you can, you can break people away from Christianity. You can say that you're a Christian, but if you do not do the work of your father, what you have led them to is deception. Wow. Because knowledge without obedience leads to deception. That's good. But knowledge with obedience leads to wisdom. Yeah. And it says that wisdom is calling out from the streets in Proverbs. What does that mean? Is that wisdom is being called upon. It means that, that, that the streets all around the world, God and the Holy Spirit and the situation that other people are going through, they are looking for people who will combine the knowledge of the word and the obedience to God's word so they can see the fulfillment of God's word wherever you go, no matter the situation, no matter the circumstance, but that God is here to love you through wisdom. Come on. Through people getting to an act wisdom upon your life. So no, you can say all the words that you want to. Nothing to be encouraged all I want to. But life transformation doesn't simply just come from me getting to say beautiful words to the Father. It's me doing the work of the Father. Because when you do something that you said, you do something that they asked, they receive that as love. Thank you for doing what was in my heart. Thank you for, for doing what you said you were going to do. And so then now we've got these two, two bags right here, right? We, we understand, again, number one, that words reveal the condition of heart. So we understand the power of words and what's in our heart. 
and to, to do the work of the Father. Now we're going to jump onto the plane because I must clarify this to you. That as much as God has done the good work in your life, he, that he said he was going to do, he, he's going to send his son. And in fact, his son came here on this earth to die on the cross, right? Talk about unconditional love. Doesn't matter where you are. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter what your past and present looks like. Even in this moment right now, you can come back to Jesus and be saved. Right? That this is a, a, a story and a picture of unconditional love. I, I want you to make it very practical for your life. And I want you to write this down. Is that unconditional love does not equal unconditional potential. Unconditional love does not equal unconditional potential. Just because Jesus saved you does not mean that the rest of your life has been saved from problems. Yeah. Like just because I say I'm married doesn't mean that her and I are just like we just need two, two peas in a pod and it's just us two together forever. I love my wife, but Lord knows I need a community of men as well. If you're a woman in this place, I'm sure that, hey, you're, you're, you're better than us guys. So you're just like, I'm already going to go talk to my girlfriends. You know what I mean? Us guys are like, I'm going to schedule you between Monday night football and Thursday night football. And we're going to get together for Buffalo Wild Wings on Wednesday. Right? Hey. This is how we work. But again, I, I want to really break this down. Because I believe that this church is a place where unconditional is alive. But I would hate for this place to be dead of the move of God because we did not reveal the unconditional potential that is revealed by walking with the Holy Spirit. Come on. You can receive Jesus but miss out on the Holy Spirit. You can receive your purpose but miss out on the potential of your life. Let's go. And the potential of your life, you, you, can, you can set foundation, but if you never build anything on top of the foundation... What legacy have you done? Come on. Greg, you've been given talents, but have you multiplied that? Right? Where is this kingdom here? The kingdom is to multiply. The kingdom is to be able to see miracle signs and wonders. The, the, the kingdom is for you to see the, the, the riches of Christ Jesus upon your life, upon your calling, where you're supposed to go, and whatever field that you're, that you're a part of. And so I want us to jump into breaking down Acts chapter 17, verse 24 through 27. This is the main text now. We've got our two bags of understanding the condition of our heart and understanding to be doers of the word. Now I want us to jump onto the plane so we can land to where God's calling us to go. And it's Acts 17, verse 24. It says that God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. We're going to go verse by verse here, and this is so important for us to understand. It says that he does not, he does not live in temples built by human hands. You know, in the last four months of my life, five months now, uh, Ben and I, as soon as we got married, we, we enjoyed honeymoon. It felt so good. If you've never been to Scottsdale, Arizona, it's you gorgeous. I'm a baseball fan, and so spring ball is happening in that place. We get to watch you know, the sky is a perfect, beautiful blue. Like, planes are flying just 3,000 feet over. And you, can, you can feel it. And I love flying, so I'm a big fan of planes. I don't know if anyone else saw her. But I'm a big fan of planes, and so we're chilling there. We get to travel around. It feels good. You wake up in the morning. It's like high 88, and it's like low 70 at night. Birds are always singing. Man, Jesus is in the room, right? And it's not something <laughs> And again, it, it's our honeymoon. So I'm like, man, ain't nothing else matters except for being with my honey during the sun and the moon. Come on, that's why they call that. 
Uh, I know that's cheesy. You can cut that off and say it's not good. But we were on a honeymoon, and uh, a honeymoon is great. And then we come back, and man, I'm, I'm excited for ministry with my wife. Right? That, that's our calling itself. Whatever work I do, I want to work it with my wife. Right? I, want, I want to be able to not just build a house together. I want to be able to build a family together. I'm an adoptive father of our, of our pet Freddy, of our dog. I've never had a dog before, and so I had to learn what life is with a dog. But now I'm like, hey, I'm not just adoptive. I'm like, hey, like, this is blood now. Okay, like, Freddy, you're, you're my son. But we're here, and, and we're, we're, we're doing ministry together. In fact, we're doing so much ministry. Like, like we, we do this thing called Promise Conference, where it's about changing the nation of Burma. Not just, not just a city. Like, I, I'm here to be able to dream big, because I know God is always dreaming bigger. So I'm like, God, we want to change the entire nation of Burma. And a nation that's known as just being 4% Christian, we want to flip it to being known as 54% Christian. So it can be a nation known as a great commission all over the world. Let's go. And so we, we gather people, we, we fundraise. And if you've ever fundraised before, you know that it takes some time. You've got you to send some, some word out. Well, for me, the only fundraising I've known is prayer yeah. and word of mouth. And I'm like, oh, like we should probably put ads out. Ads cost money. So i got to fundraise to fundraise, you know? And I'm like, okay, well, where, where should my funds come from? Man, I think the funds probably just come from out of my pocket. You know what I mean? I'm like, Instagram, like Facebook, how much does it cost? And I'm like, hey, we can, we can handle that. And so we, we jumped into this, and, and we see, and in, in, we announce it in a month. And then in, and in two weeks, we're like, man, we should start fundraising. And in two weeks, we raise over $10,000. Come on. Right? God, God comes through, provides above and beyond for us to be in, a, in an auditorium and for us to be able to, to live stream and even while, while we are, are fundraising, we're, we're doing live stream, and we see over 25 healings happen over live stream on Facebook in my aunt's grocery store, right? You're like, what in the world were you doing, Josh? Why are you live streaming in a grocery store? However way God wants us to do it, we are going to get it done, right? Yes, sir. And so we're fundraising. We raise over $10,000, and, and after those two weeks, once, once we finally do a thing called Promise Conference, we get over 12,000 people gathered together in person and online to be able to say that we're committing our lives to the Great Commission to see the lives and, and the nation of Burma changed forever. Yeah. Come on. 12,000 people gathered together, but oh, is it a lot of work. Yeah. It consumes our lives just about every day. And then after we, after we do this, we're like, we're going to rest for 36 hours and we're going to jump back into ministry because Promise Conference is a thing on the side. But, but me being able to pastor what we have here is our main thing. And, and during that time, uh, my wife, Becca, she, she gets a job as well at this place called City Serve, a phenomenal place that she's serving nonprofit. And so we're both working. And, and during this time, if, you're, if you've ever been a young adult, um, and all of you guys are young adults in this place as well, come on, Jesus, uh, is that we love to gather with people. Right? We, we love to talk, just to talk, and, and in the world of being 18 through 30, oh, we love just getting in circles for no reason knows how, right? Like, we're just, we just want to be able to say things, and we think that we're theologians based on our feelings and based on our experience, so then we just start sharing the Word of God, but that's a whole different corrective topic that we'll have with young adults on another day. Come on. And then so, so we, we, we got it together. We're doing something every single week. Anybody ever been in the pace where it feels like we've got something every single week? Do I have anybody honest in the place, right? Every single week, I can't find this break in time. Man, I'm trying to find a date night, but it seems like I'm trying to have a find, find like a date month, like one time in a month, right? I'm like, that's unhealthy. Don't worry. I wrote it down. I talked to a mentor. I've confessed, okay? 
But like we, we were trying to get time together. We we're trying to make sure that we're working on this marriage. But it's like, man, like we've got to work. Like we've got this on the weekends. We've got this where we're going to, speaking at camps, speaking at conferences. And there's this moment in July where I'm like, man, like I'm, I'm on this high, but I am so exhausted. Because the pace of life just seems so crazy. So we're, we're praying on a Tuesday. We pray every single Tuesday and sitting down with this corporate group of people. And as I'm sitting down there, I'm like, God. Man, I am so tired. And he's like, well, how have you been doing with the things I've given you? I was like, man, it's so good. Things are blowing up. We're going crazy. Promise Conference is awesome. I know you call this and that, but we're also doing all these hangouts. And I'm making sure I'm at these hangouts. And when people need me, I'm making sure that I'm setting up lunches. And I'm, I'm picking up the phone. And even if they need me, I'll text them while I'm working out. So kind of I'm half in, half out while I'm working out. I'm half in, half out doing my meetings. So I want to be there for for people, and I'm supposed to be all things to all people, but I just biblically put that in the wrong context. So I'm doing all things when Jesus is supposed to be the one who does all things, and I'm supposed to steward only what I'm supposed to steward. Yeah. And so I'm in this place where I'm like, God, I'm like, but look, all these amazing things are happening. We're seeing miracles happen. We've, we've seen over a over hundred people physically get healed. And so I'm like, God, we're on this high. And he's like, very polite. And he's just, shh. Right? Because God's a gentleman. Yeah, he is. He's not going to force himself on you, and he's not going to slap you across the face, even though we love to say that as an analogy. He's not going to do that. He's going to gently caress your face and be like, shh, shh, shh. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. He's like, I didn't ask you how you're doing with what you've taken. I've asked you how you're doing with what you've been given. That's good. Because you can take on too much and say that it's a good thing, but God says my name has never been called for you to do that. Because there's a difference between God and good. And a good thing will make you feel phenomenal, that you can give it to the Lord. But God does not receive something he did not ask for. So you could be working in a phenomenal field, building a crazy amount of profit. You could be building corn, but God said that I asked you to be good takers of an apple field. And he said, no, no, but the people need a corn. He said, no, 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 no. But did I call you to do that? Yeah. I called you to take care of the apple farm. Yeah. And then in that moment, I was like, oh my goodness, I am so exhausted because I am building this temple by my own hands. I am asking God to be in these places. And here's the thing, if God is in that place, right, to bring it back to what I said earlier, God is in that place and his presence is there. And if his presence is there, his peace is there. And if his peace is there, then you can find rest there. But God, why am I not finding rest in some of the things I'm doing? It's because you're doing good things and not God things. You are doing things where you're Come asking on. for God's presence, but God's presence doesn't want to be in there because that's not for God's purpose. Come on. That is for your own purpose. So you can say, look at what I've done, not look at what God has done. Come on. And so when we when we prioritize too many things, the pace of our life seems crazy. And jumping back to verse 24, that's exactly what he says. It says that the Lord of heaven and earth does not live in temples built by our own hands. But he jumps into verse 25. And it says that he is not served by human fans, by human hands, <laughs> as if he needed anything. So even even goes to the place where it's like, yo, the work that you even do, I don't even need it. I don't even need for you to do the work that I've already done. What? He says, rather, he himself gives everything life and breath and everything else. 
And so he, he doesn't just tell you about the work that you've done. He goes to the motive of who you are. Because often the reason that you do things that are outside of God's thing is because you've got some kind of insecurity you need to fulfill because you're not finding security in a place that God wants you to be fulfilled. You're, you're trying to make your own plan. You're trying to make your own agenda. In fact, you, you've got this, this, this thought and this idea that other people are thinking about this about you and so you've got to fit this persona. You gotta fit of what a leader looks like. You gotta fit what a father looks like. You gotta fit what a mother looks like. What a, what a father, what a, what a son or a daughter or a brother or a sister looks like. But can I tell you, if it is not biblical, oh, you ought to see God. Is this you or is this a good thing that is actually gonna get wiped out whenever I asked you, is this what you called me to do? Yeah. Because we're here to do the work of the Lord. And God says this, right? He, he says that if I'm to give everything, then you ought to come to me, even to your motive. God, I, like, I want to do a good thing. What's your motive to do a good thing? Yeah. Well, why do I want to do this? Let, let me give you the reason why. Let me give you the motivation why. Let me give you, let, let me be your why. Let me give you even clarity and language on what that why means in your organization, in your church, in your family, to your people. Well, one thing that, that I've been challenged is that even, even in the young adult's world, oh, before they even know why they're doing things, they'll just do things, right? If you've ever had kids, sometimes you'd be like, hey, why did you do that? I don't know, right? They just do it. <laughs> but, but, but for me, I've understood that if we can have a why to things, then we can have an understanding that it does not matter how it's gonna happen because I am stuck to why it is happening. And if, if we can come back to this place where it's not about God, like how, well, how am I creating these things? We come back to God, I'm creating these things and I'm building these things and I'm getting to walk with people because God loves people. Then I will always have purpose flowing. God's presence will guide me. And the Holy Spirit will help me fulfill this potential that I have that comes from this unconditional love. In verse 26, we're almost done here. I promise 10, 15 minutes. Just hang on to that one from, it says that from one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and boundaries of their lands. So, so it talks about now, now what God is doing in the, in the totalness of, of him from the beginning of time to the end. And it says that God made all the nations. Well, what do nations mean in another sense? It means people groups. Nations are people groups. And it says and for the people groups, which means you, because you are a person, and, and persons together create people, and people together is a group. It says that you, I, I, I made you. I made all the nations, all the people, they come from me. And he marked your point in time. So the fact that you are alive, you are here right now, is that you are here on purpose. But you're not here just to receive something. You're here to, to be able to fulfill some potential that needs to be fulfilled. You're, you're here to do something that's outside of the ordinary. The, the, you, you ever ask, and, and, and I say this, and I'm actually going to preach this because God laid this on my heart here in the last week or two, is that we love to be people who diagnose and talk about, oh, culture is this, or culture stinks, or, man, these young people are lazy and they don't want to work hard. But then you've got young people who are like, man, you've got, you've got, you've got gen, gen, or millennials and older people who are like, I don't want to do that because they're stuck in offices. I want to be with the freelance wherever I want to. Right? Like, there's many different kind of works, and we can, we can label people all we want to. But just because you label things doesn't mean that you found a solution for things. 
I don't want to be people of information. I want to be people of solution because that's what God does. Yeah. And then when we understand this is that the reason that you are here in the context of the craziest culture fights, the craziest place of identity, the, the, the wildest times that we've ever seen, I feel like, in the history of humanity is because God did not have you here to deal with it. God has you here to be the solution to it. Because if you're here alive right yep. now, then he is intentional for you to be here. Yeah. But the intentionality must be led by fulfilling the potential of what God has for your life. And you have to do it with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the guider to his heart. The Holy Spirit is the guider to what is inside of God's heart, what is in here. Because it tells us in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that no one knows the heart more than the Spirit. Who knows the spirit? Who knows the heart of God more than the spirit of God? In the same way, who knows the heart of man more than the spirit of man himself? And so there has to be this place where, God, I know that I need this purpose. But again, just like I said, just because you have purpose doesn't mean that you fulfill the reason and the potential of what all God can do. If you simply just settle with God, how can I just receive things? You've got to put them into action. You've got to understand what is the season that we're walking into. Because if you don't understand the season, then you're going to go into it misequipped. And you're going to go into it with, with, with a missed expectation. Right? Very simply, if you don't understand the season, and you say, I've got this really cute winter outfit, and I've got this really nice peacoat, but you don't understand that the season is still summer in Arkansas, and you're going to be walking outside and wondering, why did all my clothes just get drenched wet from my sweat, right? Because we did not understand the season. But if we understand the season, what is happening spiritually, if we understand the season of climate, then we're going to understand how important it is for you to love your family because we're seeing families break more than ever before. If you understand the season of, of where we're seeing, man, it's a hard time. We're seeing this fatherless generation actually come up. Then you would understand the season for you to step up into your fatherhood calling to not just simply start being a father, but to be faithfully finishing as a faithful father. How important it is because that is led, that is led by a timeline and a vision of eternity. When you understand the season, then you're not just going to understand why am I here. You're going to understand what is to come in the future. Because culture is going to be an identifier of what is to come in the future. But Christ should be the vision of what is supposed to take place in the future. Come on. Come on. And if you are led by Christ for the future, and you understand culture in the future, for, for now, then you're going to be able to combine what is happening in the present with what's supposed to happen in the prophetic because you're fulfilling this potential in the middle of what this generation is called to do, and that is to be led by the Holy Spirit and to be called holy. Yeah. So that brings me to this last verse. We're landing the plane here. If I can get the, the Jesus keys to come up so I sound way better than I do. Thank you so much for handling my, my passion that comes out of me. Again, it may sound like I'm yelling at you. No, no. It's because I believe in you so much. I believe in you so much that, that you are called to be answers to this, to this community. That Northwest Arkansas needs Vision Church. That Northwest Arkansas needs the church that is not just a building place, the church is people, which yeah. is the church is you. Northwest Arkansas needs you. God wants you to move in this community. And it says this at the end. It says that God did this so they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far 
from any one of us. I want to encourage you that fulfilling your potential is in fact not jumping to the right job. Right? You, you want to be in this right place, but it's not so much jumping into this right situation. Because God's not here to look if he can trust you with a situation. He's looking if he can trust you with your heart. And he wants to see can, if you can steward yourself and you can be faithful with a little, then he'll trust you with much. If he, if he can trust you with taking care of your heart, then he can trust you with taking care of others. Hell well, that's another relationship series. If he can trust you with what's on the inside of you. Because I want to encourage you. It says that though he is not far from any one of us. He did all this. His heart was in. He created you. That we would seek Jesus. And perhaps, right? Well, what a poet to say, like, maybe we ought to reach out to God and find him. Because he's not far from any one of us. Mm -hmm. I'm here to tell you that you're not going to find Jesus based on the circumstance. You're going to find Jesus because you're going to understand more of who you are. That the Jesus that you've been looking for, and the potential that you've been looking for, the purpose that you've been looking for, it's not because of you, you got all this money. It's not because you, you were even the greatest father, the greatest mother, the greatest brother or sister, not because you are the greatest caretaker, but it's because you combine you with the Holy Spirit together. Because if God can change the inside of you, then he can trust you, can, then he can trust that you can change the inside of other people. Hmm. If you can steward the little of who you are, he can trust you to change the lives of the many that are all around you. I want every person to stand up in this place before I close. They're saying, can I have just a leader that I can follow? Hmm. 
Yeah. They're, they're stuck beyond this like persona of like, hey, can we just see these accolades happen? Then they're saying, can I just be honest with you so that we can acknowledge what needs to be acknowledged? My problems, but also help me to discover my future. Can tell that this place is going to grow not simply in people, but this place is going to grow in quality people whenever you take up the quality of life you're supposed to. And quality will pull in the quantity. The, the, the life of Jesus, he walks around, he's, he's not saying, man, I, I can't wait to see 3,000 people. No, he's just a quality man who's living up the qualities of Jesus. And he was unafraid to say that drop your nets and follow me. Let's go. He was unafraid to live a quality life that's completely about Jesus. He was unafraid to invite people to follow him in the life of Jesus and in honoring God. And he was not afraid to walk them in initiating a life towards the Father. So with every head bowed and every eye closed in this place, can you just give me five more minutes? Five more minutes. that there is a place where even as, as I talk to you, you, you think even wherever the age that you're at, can I tell you that you are just getting your best day started? But there's a place where you're like, God, man, I, I need more hope and I want to see this unfulfilled potential come alive. But when you, when you check your heart, is this really what God wants you to do? And is this how much God has for you right now? And you're like, man, no, God, I want more. You say, God, I want more. Now, I want more dreams. I want more visions. I feel like I've kind of hit the ceiling, or even this might be a challenge for yourself. God, I want to ask for more. If you simply just want more, I just want you to raise your hand. If you want more, just more, just more, just more. Thank you. Hands are going up. God works with honesty. Your hand up raised is like you just saying that, you know what? My hand is open. I'm stuck to hanging on to the, uh, to the ceiling of security of thinking like I, I am where I'm supposed to be and God, I want more. In your family place, in your workplace, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll give you just a few more seconds. Anyone else? More, thank you, thank you. More, 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 more. Number two is this. Some of you wanted more, but some of you just need a reminder of who you are. Your work is not who you are. Even the name of you being, being, being a father or a mother or a sister or brother is not simply just who you are. That's a relational status. Who you are is what God says that you are. Yeah, yeah. And here's what God says about you is that you are made in the likeness and in the image of him. So the fact that you are here now is yes, you are a son, you are a daughter of the Father. But you are also supposed to be an image of the Father. Then that you come from his lineage. And if you need a reminder of that, you need some hope, you need to remember your identity. Don't lose your identity. You lose your identity, you lose your vision. If you just want to see that weight lifted off of you, Man, my God, I swear I remember that I am in the likeness and image of God. I just want you to raise your hand. It's the reestablishment of identity. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. I'm going to ask that this, this bold step, this bold step, if you raise your hand, you should have raised
Uh, I want you to take an action step. I want you to put faith into action. If you raise your hand, you should raise your hand. I simply want you to just come down to the altar right now. If you raise your hand, you should raise your hand to any one of those things. Come down to the altar. God moves when you move. God moves when you move. God moves when you move. Anyone else, if you're willing to have faith, you're willing to put faith into action, you're willing to say, you know, this is not about me and anyone else, it's about me and Jesus. It's about me and Jesus.